Alright, the Lord is good. Good morning, everybody. It's a blessed morning, isn't it? When I woke up this morning, I knew I was blessed. And I knew you were blessed. As my children were waking up one by one, seeing them, I told them, I said, sleep is good. Yes, you know. It's the Lord that makes you sleep, and you, are, you wake up, and you slept safely. He was well with you throughout the night, and to be well with you again today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's start today by taking the declaration of the glory of the Lord, and we're going to do two. We're going to read from Revelations chapter 1, the book of Revelation chapter 1, and then after that we will do um, Psalm 66. Please, I want to remind everybody, I enjoy fellowshipping here, I enjoy teaching the word, but I think the aim we must not forget is to teach people how to live life on a daily basis. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just here that's the issue. It's something we are supposed to do regularly, not only when we gather. So these declarations, do it on your own. Do it with your family. When you gather, declare the glory of the Lord. It's important. Um, We're going to start from Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. But now we are going to do... Now if you read verse 4, hmm, you will see verse 4 starts um, with the first line that says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Do you understand that? Jump that line. And just continue from the word grace. Alright? And we'll read all the way to verse 8. Do you understand it? We're starting from the middle of 4. And we're reading to the end of verse 8. And again, please, for those who are not used to it, we'll try to use the same version of the Bible so that our voices will resonate. Alright? The cacophony is not very good. Is that alright? Mm-hmm. Alright. After that, we'll go to Psalm 66. One to let's go. Grace. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits that are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Seven. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. I said amen. amen. All right, quickly, let's go to um, Psalm 66. Psalm number 66. We are going to read the first few verses. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 9. Are you there? All right, Psalm 66 from verse 1. Let's go. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, How awesome are your works, because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give faint obedience to you. All the earth will worship you, and all sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. 5. Come and see the works of the Lord, who is awesome in his deeds toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. Then let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. His eyes keep watch on the nations. 
Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Eight. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad. Who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. Now let's read verses 8 and 9 again. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad. Who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. This morning we have declared the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of our Father who is in heaven. He is exalted forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Before we take our seats, let's receive understanding through our declaration. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are blessed again this morning in Jesus' name. And this morning, as the word is coming forth, the power of God to heal the sick is coming with it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, pay attention. What did I say? Pay attention. Say it loud. Pay attention. Give instruction to somebody listening from afar. Pay attention. Somebody needs to hear this. Pay attention. That's the payment. That is the cost of receiving that power today. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. What we have been teaching about is, we finally chose a title like that, A New Man and a New World, and the concept about the that title is the fact that the most important thing or process by which God creates is through the formation of himself in people. That any time you find God settled somewhere, that place is heaven. I hope you're getting my point. So if God wants to create heaven in your home, he doesn't come there and impose heaven on anybody. He takes you, changes you, and as you carry the presence of God into your home, heaven is created. Do you get what I'm saying? All right? That's a mistake we make a lot in a nation like this. The focus is always get us leaders, get us good leaders. And I say, look, good leadership is important, but good followership, in my opinion, is more important. All right? And I say, how do you get good followers if you have a bad leader or if you don't yet have a good leader? The principle is simple. That's why God kept his own people everywhere. That is, in a nation, please, let's use Nigeria, which is where we are teaching from, as an example. In this nation, Nigeria, God has his people. He said the lost portion is his people. So inside this nation, there are people that he calls his own. And those people are the ones that will create good followers. Do you get my point? Number one, they are good followers. And then they spread the good following influence around amongst their peers, people they come into contact with. All right? If they come in contact with people, the person should learn something from them. Do you follow my point? That is the only way you create good followers. And listen to this, a prophetic word. That is the only way a good leadership will be a blessing to you. Don't be deceived. I see this hang up. This is the political season in Nigeria. We must get it right this time. Listen to me. It's nonsense. It's absolute rubbish. As if we must vote the right person this time. It makes no difference. If you cannot enter the promised land, 10 Moseses can't take you in there. Moses was not a bad leader. Israel did not make it into the promised land. Egypt was inside their heart. The best leader, God, now please, allow me to borrow that word. God respected Moses. God bragged on Moses. God said, listen, concerning Moses, 
I talk to prophets in dreams and visions. No, not Moses. I come talk to him like a man talks to his friend. Moses is highly honored. When God was going to rebuke or, you know, correct Jeremiah, he referred to Moses. When Jesus was going to get a message for the next phase of ministry, Moses was sent in the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, these are the, that's the kind of person you are dealing with. Yet, he could not take the people into the promised land. Rather, he died because of them. And all the people that he took out of Egypt died in the wilderness, unless they were younger than 20. So, can, you can imagine that somebody is you know, shouting, shouting, we must get a Moses this time. You won't go anywhere. If we take you out of Egypt, you will all die in the wilderness. That was why when Jesus came, he did not attack the issue of leadership. He attacked the issue of the people. They, they made it look like, ah, we, what we need now is another David. They wanted him to be their next David. He said, no, 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 no. He sat down and began to teach. He sat down on the mount and taught them. He began to teach. He began to teach. And I'm saying to the church again, please, this our brethren we call Khan, Christian Association of Nigeria and Pentecostal Fellowship of Nigeria. Please, I'm not trying to be political in my talk. I want to correct your political involvement. I think you have lost direction. Making statements on who runs Muslim, Muslim ticket, Christian Muslim ticket, it's not your job. Those are internal party affairs. It doesn't concern me. If I don't like the ticket you presented, I vote for another person. It's an individual issue. It's not a church body matter. Talk to your people to stop taking bribes. Can you imagine some of our bishops that they went to go and visit one of the presidential candidates? He gave them transport money and they took. That's where our problem is. How can you take transport money from a, a, a candidate? I mean, if you go to another church, they give you transport money, take. Not when I'm com- no man comes to you to be healed or leprosy. You take his goods. You know, there are times you don't take such things. I take pastors. Pastors, listen to me. This season, go and visit all the presidential candidates you want. Don't take a dime from them. You're losing respect. If they come to your church, it's, it's, it's okay. Let them trap them. Say, if you want to come to our church, you must come early. Then you let them talk at the end so that they can hear the word. We won't let you speak and go away. No, you will hear that. Look. Say, August service is 7.30. Be here by 7.15. You will join praise worship. All your demons will leave you that day. All the world. <laughs> you will hear the, the whole sermon that day. I won't die that you, but you must hear it. For adventure, you'll give your life to Christ if you haven't. At the end of the day, I give you five minutes to address the people. I don't have a problem with that. If I'm the pastor of a like I don't have a problem with it. Address the people. There's, there's only one thing I'll tell you. As you are going, the next guy is coming next Sunday. The one after is coming the following Sunday. All of you, and as you are leaving, we give you our booklet. And we will not take your offering. We we'll let you out before we do offering time. Because just like we Christians, we, we, we like money too much. You know, this hunger is a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> Once they are coming, we say, hey, offering today go good. Nonsense. It's the reason why we have no influence. We think it's by issuing political statements that we're going to have influence in the nation. Rubbish. It's by walking in righteousness. By living in a manner that pleases the Lord. Pastors will now mount pulpit on Sunday and be talking on internal party matters. What, what concerns you? Look, I'm giving this as I don't. This is not my message for today, but it just came upon me, and I know it's the voice of the Spirit telling me to tell the church. Stop this nonsense. What you need, okay, is next time your bishop visit any president, don't take his money. They say it's transport money. Why is he transporting you? Did he invite you? If he did not have money, why did you go? You make it look like you are begging. Nobody treats beggars with respect. Nobody in the world. Nobody. 
You are a carrier of anointing for goodness sake. When you are done, tell him to kneel down. You want to pray for him. When he brings envelope, tell him clearly. It is not the time. We can't receive it. Be open about it. Ah, no, sir. Not now. And tell each candidate what the Lord expects of them. Not the church in Nigeria. I don't know whether I get my point. That is what the Lord, not what would you do for the church. Okay, you give us minister for this, minister for that. Rubbish and nonsense. Most of the so-called Christians who are put in political office are not born again. Many of them go to shrines. Many of them are adulterers. Oh, 75% of them. There was a Christian governor in this country. As a, as a sitting governor, his church gathered and excommunicated him. The elders of the church. The day he came to church, the person preaching that day, preached so hard directly against him, he got up and left. He said, yeah, get out. He was a sitting governor. The elders made it clear to him, the hierarchy of heaven is more important than that of the earth. And when they wouldn't listen, they gathered and excommunicated him. Say so he's no longer our brother. Many of us, we don't have that kind of level of, of what they call it, discipline. The offering he gives is the one he won't let us think. This one, he came to a church when they were doing Thanksgiving with all his uh, commissioners and pa- <laughs> the pastor was waiting for him. Pastor Sunday, you are not normal. Your wife was here already to tell us you have a girlfriend and will not accept it in this church. They went after him that day, two and two. He and his commissioners left the service. They didn't take a dime offering from them. They summoned him once or twice. did not listen. They said, good. You will know that heaven rules in the affairs of man. The elders gathered, joined their hands, and excommunicated him. God disciplined him because he disregarded the presence of the people of God. The elders joined their hands and disciplined him in the spirit. He saw fire physically. That's the church that has respect. Next time, <laughs> next time the church calls people like that, he will behave himself. But we, 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 are, we are there making political statements, begging for money, they bring offerings we take. We now say we must get it right this time. How can sinners get it right in, 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 in voting? They can't. God said, when I'm angry with you, if you gather, I will scatter. No matter what you plot, it will not come to fruition. It won't come to good. Unless, he said, I was reading my Bible this morning. He said, seek my face. David said, when I heard that, I answered you. Your face, O Lord, will I seek. What we are seeking is our voters' card. Let's get back to our message. So when God wants to bless people, he changes them. He brings his presence into their lives. It's as we are being transformed, as we are being transformed, that our environment, we start feeling it. You cannot focus on the outward transformation. Jesus said, wash the inside of the cup, and the outside will be clean also. If you focus on the exterior, you will be frustrated. Sometimes I, I know I chat with people, Christians, non-Christians who talk. I just were laughing. I said, God, thank you for giving me understanding. Because if God doesn't give you understanding, you, you will be frustrated with this life. You will see what is right to do. And you see people like, why are they not doing it? Like I said a few days ago here, in my own little understanding, I know so many things that we can do as a nation. I will change the country like this. Boom. I know so many. And I'm not arrogant Enough, that is my arrogance level may not be totally fully righteous, but it's not plenty enough for me to think I'm the only one that knows it. 
That's one, yesterday I was explaining to one of my uh, uh, friends and brothers. I said, listen, some people just get up in the morning. They want to give you the impression that the people in government are either entirely stupid, entirely wicked, or both. One brother I know, if you, use the word, if you see the expression he uses to describe the head of state, I feel like saying that, I hope you are praying to God for mercy. He calls him wicked. Now, I won't give you the, the, the word. Say the man is wickedly incompetent. And you are describing a man. And I look at him. He says, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's pride. Go and read Elio. Elio says it's pride. You think you are better than him. You think you know more than him. You have one that's going on. I say, what the president should do? I say, my friend, be quiet. What the president should do? Do you know what the other person, do you know what my neighbor thinks the president should do? Do you know what I think the president should do? Why should he do what you think he should do? When he has not done what I, think, what I think he should do. And he has not done what my neighbor thinks he should do. And he has not done what his wife thinks he should do. ABC chairman has something he should do. He himself has something he thinks he should do and he's not been able to do it. One of my classmates, a lady, said she went shopping in the U.S. a few months ago, a few weeks ago. Or recently, sir. I don't know how long. And I just escorted a senior person, a senior woman. Her husband was a, is a former head of state. I don't know whether I get my point. Madam, they are in the U.S. together. Oh, I'm going shopping. Come with me, younger lady. Okay, let's go. And they were talking. This is a former first lady. She didn't give us the name of the person. And the person was in know what Nigeria government should do. And she looked at the woman like, excuse me. What the leadership in Nigeria needs? She was looking at the woman like, excuse me. Your husband was head of state. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma. What the leaders need to do. She's looking at the woman like, you can't be serious. I can assure you President Buhari is telling you what the government should do. <laughs> I am absolutely certain. Do you, you think it's everything the government wants to do that it can do? There are times it gives an instruction. And his skills there. You are running over a country of over 200 million individuals, most of whom are sinners. That's a, it's an important word. Sinners. Divided into over 200 tribes and tongues. Hey, please be praying for the man. One day, they said, President Obasanjo went on one day. You know, people were just greeting him. One man, when he shook his hand, he said, Sir, we are praying for you. Obasanjo looked at him like, what did he say? He said, sir, we are praying for you. He put the man in government immediately. That, oh, you know to pray for me. I need people like you around me. <laughs> the man knew he needed prayer. Some of your closest advisors are working for Absalom. If you know what I'm going to say. They are with you, but their heart is, is with Absalom. There was a damn president, good luck, Jonathan. He said, there's Boko Haram everywhere. He was, why would he say the man was frustrated? He, he had nobody to trust. In the police, there was Boko Haram. In the military, there was Boko Haram. In politics, there was Boko Haram. Big party chieftains were found to be harboring these people. The man was frustrated. And you are sitting in your two-bedroom apartment in Enugu on second floor. Power 12 hours a day. And you are telling me what the president should do. You've not, be, you've not been able to tell your neighborhood how to fix. They are draining, their drains are going into your street. You can't stop it. You sit in your two-bedroom apartment telling the president what to do. 
the Red Prince said, if you spent as much time as you spent criticizing the government, praying for them, you have less to criticize. Look, digression from the message, let's get back to the message. <laughs> the point is that so God understands this. His focus is not very outward. His focus is always inward. So when Jesus came, he went around trying to change people. He was telling them, what's your key to your, your deliverance? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen, the kingdom of God is interesting. When it comes, now listen to this. You don't want the kingdom of God to come when you are not prepared for it. You don't want it to. Because it's a double-edged sword. It blesses those that are prepared. It wounds, judges, and condemns those who are not. It leaves nobody neutral. Doesn't leave anybody the way he met them. If Jesus returns today, which is the reason why he doesn't like to come back in a hurry. If he returns today, if you are not ready, you are going to hell. That's the way it is. Sometimes, we are praying for certain levels of oppression of the spirit. And I understand that God deliberately delays. Because once he releases it, he closes the door. Listen, let me remind us of how the life was with Judah. That is, the the Jews, when Jesus came. John the Baptist and Jesus were about the same age, remember, six months apart. They entered into their mother's womb six months apart. All right? So we believe they were born about six months apart. So they were just about the same age. Jesus went into ministry at the age of 30, right? That was when he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Notice the word oppressed. I need to explain it. The word oppressed. All right? Just remind me in case I forget. I need to explain that. Those were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. I mean, Peter explained that to Cornelius. Now, yeah, the Bible tells us that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from when? Mother's womb. So, 30 years before Jesus was filled with the Spirit, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit. Troubles? Good. Now, we don't know exactly how long John the Baptist was in the wilderness. But one thing we are sure of is that from childhood, he began to call people to repentance. At the age of five, John was preaching. I am sure of that. I am persuaded as soon as he started talking, and he probably spoke early, he began to rebuke people of sin. So by the age of two, three, John was already rebuking people concerning their sins. At a point in time, he went into the wilderness. Maybe as a teenager, early 20s, I don't know. And he began to preach. And John told us he did not do, that is John that wrote the, uh, the gospel. He did not do any mighty work. Nothing. One reason was that he was preaching to the people of the covenant. They did not need mighty works to believe. Which was why Jesus told the parable that even if they rise up from the dead, if they don't want to believe, they, why? They already have Moses. So he was preaching to those who had Moses. Calling them to repentance. Calling them to repentance. So we can say for about 20 years, he was shouting that people should repent. Yes, he was a child when he began. His voice became loud maybe as a teenager. So nothing less than 10 good years of being in the wilderness or shouting and shouting. I don't know exactly how long he was in that loud ministry in the wilderness in which people were coming for, it, for baptism. But one thing we are sure of since he was a child, the Jesus had been going out. They knew about one unusual child. They knew the spirit would possess him and he would speak with a loud voice and he was only five. He was only six, seven, ten. No mighty work accompanied him. But Jesus said something. John said, I am not the bridegroom. Remember that. My duty is just to introduce you guys to the bridegroom. Is the reason why he died 
that early. And the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus only began his public ministry after he heard that John had been taken into custody. Jesus was guiding disciples. He was baptizing. The Bible says not him, but his disciples, who he gathered mostly from John. Follow that. You see, when he came for baptism, John said to his disciples, Peter being one of them, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Those ones ran away from John and began to follow Jesus. He had told them, are you the one to come? They asked him. He said, no, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. My duty is to prepare a way for the Lord. How do I prepare the way? I offer you guys repentance. No, I offer you guys forgiveness as a result of repentance. And the sign of that is baptism. Do you follow? He said, but I'm not the one to come. Now, later on, Jesus told us something. We thought it was future. It wasn't future. It was explaining what was happening and what, again, will happen. Future also applicable. But it was actually explaining what was happening. John was not the bridegroom, right? Who was the bridegroom? Jesus. Good. He told us a parable of preparation. The term foolish virgins, the term wise virgins. He will tell us about that. Who are they waiting for? The bridegroom. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He will tell us about a king who prepared a feast and they went to invite people. In all of that, there was one thing he kept on saying. Once the bridegroom arrives, once the feast commences, what's the first thing they do? They shut the door. When he began to preach, the first thing Jesus preached was exactly what John preached. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now he was hasty about it. Because he knew that once John had been taken into custody, the ministry is about to start. And that was the last minute call for those who were coming and dine with him. As soon as Jesus began to do miracles, listen to this, there was no opportunity anymore for any Jew to repent. He closed the door of repentance. He couldn't. No. So what they did naturally was to gravitate towards the Pharisees and become his enemies. He closed the door against them. His preaching afterwards was just for two purposes. Number one, to encourage those who had gone to the baptism of John. Because the Bible says, we read Luke, Luke explained that the scribes and the Pharisees, they frustrated the counsel of God for their lives, not having been baptized by John. If you did not take John's baptism, you did not get any miracle from Jesus Christ. That's a matter of fact. For the nation of Israel I'm talking about, the people of God. And that principle happens till today. Amongst the church. See, when you start hearing, I gave one offering, I got, I got a 10 million, and everybody's now rushing to come and give their own. The moment that testimony was shared, that, that blessing, the door to that blessing was closed. People don't know that. I'm not joking. See, once that testimony is what motivates you to do what you are doing, you won't get nothing. The door has closed already. <laughs> Those who get from it, they get it while the doctrine was being taught, calling them to righteousness. Telling them, look, that as a Christian, you can't live like this. This is how you live. And that manifested in somebody learning that, oh, I don't live for myself anymore. I live for the purpose of God. I'm a true cheerful giver. So that person may give an offering as a sign of his repentance. And God just blesses him with 
financial healing. Then someone now says that the key is give. No. The key is repent. Once that testimony becomes your reason for giving, you are not getting anything. You will not get anything. You will get nothing. That's what I tell you. Most of the testimonies you hear, they are lies. Because the, the principle, it doesn't work like that. When it comes to the people of God, God expects you to hear instruction. Expects you to learn as a disciple. And be corrected by the entrance of the word. Listen to this. Whether you see miracles or you don't. That's why I said, for you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. It's not for the love of results. It's for the love of what? Righteousness. Many people, they love results, so they do what is right. They don't get anything. And how do you know those who love righteousness? They don't expect the righteousness to pay them anything. They just do it because it is right. Those are the people that technically have gone through the baptism of John. And when the anointing for the miraculous comes, it will find them. That's why you will find five porches full of the sick and all of that. And Jesus will navigate through the crowd, go to one man, and say, do you want to be made whole? And the man is talking, I have no man. And then he says, okay, listen, take up your bed and walk. See, there's a principle of faith we teach which is unfortunate. We think it's at, at that moment, you will not steal your heart. <clears throat> I believe. I believe. No. That man with the little strength he had, he crawled to where John was baptizing. That was faith. That was his faith. By the time Jesus came and spoke to him, why did he get up? A man who had, was just complaining, I have no strength. The Bible told us why. He said, when he spoke into me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. All of this one using the boji when you do, the spirit is not entering you. You're not going anywhere. God help me over the, last, over the next few weeks, I released the book, To Be Filled by the Spirit, How to Be Filled by the Spirit. It's important for Christians to understand. You cannot use energy to obey God. At that point in time, why did the man listen to Jesus? It was because the spirit, as Jesus was speaking, he wasn't obeying counsel. He wasn't obeying counsel. Jesus said, take up your pallet and walk. The spirit entered into him and set him on his feet. He, he could not disobey. He could not disobey. He had to get up. The words that the Lord spoke to him, they were not words of, okay, this is how to do seven keys to getting up and walking. That word was charged with the spirit of God. It entered into him and raised him up. Why? Because there was a time he had little strength. That little strength was used to obey John. John baptized him and he returned into his sickness. Why he did not know that the spirit has said the day is coming. Now what am I going to say in all of these things? The summary of it is this. We have to be urgent with personal repentance. I hope you are getting my point. Stop chasing miracles. People are you know, looking for where miracles you know, are happening. No. Chase instruction. Change correction. Chase correction. A sign of God's blessing, the first sign of the blessing of God, all right, is correction. 
He gives you correction. He doesn't, he's not, he's not trying to, you know, trying to give you some, a miracle yet. He wants to bring you to the place where you can live in paradise on the earth. Where your presence creates heaven. Like I was saying, sometimes when we're praying for some things, I said, God is saying, you want that thing to happen? Be more urgent with teaching, prophesying righteousness to the people. Because if we release a certain degree of divine power, that generation is closed. Those who have not entered. And you know, I was listening to Kenegin the other day, which is interesting. He explained something along this line. That the Holy Spirit actually told him. And he observed it. That there are places he goes to minister those days. Minister to the sick, all of that. This, the power doesn't flow. And he had a special anointing. And the Spirit told him that, no, no, no. It's, the reason is because before you came, you mentioned two great healing evangelists that came. It's as if to say, they did not believe. So that the next wave of healing revival in this area will only happen in the next generation. That the door for this generation has closed. And he observed it. He observed it. What am I trying to preach? Everybody has to be urgent about repentance. And repentance doesn't mean just give your life to Christ. That is one. Of course, that's the foundation. But beyond that is correcting yourself every day with the word of God. Each generation has a time limit. So every, he said the kingdom of God is preached. And every man does what? Presses into it. That's, what, that's how you press into the kingdom. That is how you press into the kingdom. That is how you press into the kingdom. It's by personal transformation. Focusing on the word of God so it can transform you. Back to our message. So this is what happens. God says that is how I bring heaven to the earth. I transform my people into becoming like me. I need to repeat some things I've said over the last few um, uh, meetings on this subject. Let me repeat them again. Just briefly, I'll try to be quick. When God made Adam, and he said, let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, and Bible in the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them. That's how God speaks. He speaks about those things that be not. Finish it for me. As though they were. What am I trying to say? That was where he was going. That Adam, day one, no, was not in the image of God yet. That's the template he's supposed to feel. He had the ability to become like that. But how will he become? It is by God coming to him in the cool of the evening. Interacting with him. Transforming him into the image. I want to remind us of some things I said before. So it's a process. It's a reminder or a revision. But then again, I need to amplify it. It is a process. Becoming like God is a process. It's not a one-day thing. Nobody will lay hands on you and you become like him. When you give your life to Christ, the seed of God is planted in you. You've seen an embryo before, or a little child. Let's start with a little, a one-year-old. Is he a man? Yes. Is he, I mean, mankind, human being? The answer is yes. Can he walk around by himself? No. Can he feed himself? No. Is he of any good? To humanity, productive production-wise, no. But he says, "A man." That's exactly how God does us. Also, the seed of God is in that young Christian. You give your life to Christ; the seed of God is in you. 
But then, you have to be built up until Christ is perfectly formed in you. Again, it's a process, and you have to work hard on it. Don't expect it to just happen. You lie down in your house. No. You will get up, like I say, and go to church. You will go and hear the word of God. You will get up and pray. Each time you learn, God brings a part of you that is not like him yet in your face. And then you acknowledge your iniquity. You confess, you repent. Then he washes away all unrighteousness in that area. And then you are more like Christ in that area. And it's a funny process in that it continues growing, but Satan is always trying to reverse it. There are areas which you think you have already gone beyond. After a while, you realize you have to do it again. I hope you're getting the principle. But it's something you work on deliberately. You don't slacken. You don't slow down. Your focus must be on you becoming exactly like God. In your thoughts, in your attitudes, in your reasoning, in everything spiritual. Please don't forget that. It's a spiritual image. The Bible describes Jesus Christ as what? The express image of the Father. That is, every time he talks, is what the Father is saying. He told the disciples, you don't know the kind of spirit you have. That is, he had the spirit of God. He reacted to things the way God reacts to things. So you see all the things written in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit. All those things, these are the things we work on. As long as we are focusing on the word and focusing on Christ Jesus, those things become, begin to grow out of our lives. And listen to this. The outward things you see in your life is supposed to help you or they are supposed to help you indicate whether you are doing well or you are not doing well. You lose your temper easily. You don't work on anger management. That's the mistake people make. They now go and work on, they go for seminar on what? Anger management. Meanwhile, the problem is Christ management. They rather go and work on anger management. Instead of that, to let them know that, oh boy, you know where that came from? It's focused on the cares of the world and the deceitness of riches and the loss for other things. If you remove your eyes from that and focus on the word, focus on Christ, the anger will die down. So when the Holy Spirit says, look at how easily you are getting angry. The idea is there's distraction from the main focus in your life. That's what he's saying. But the word will come and tell us, focus on anger management. Go for a course, two weeks course on anger management. And you see it, I will repeat it. I said it last time, but you may have not noticed it. But let me repeat it again. Okay? And I'll do that in a moment. When you focus on things like the anger management, you get frustration. What you get in your life is frustration amplified. Because as long as you are trying to bring out the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit of Christ in you, what you will experience is frustration. It's the reason why people go for drug rehab, they keep relapsing. The way to have permanent deliverance from drug addiction is to focus yourself on Christ's addiction. If you're addicted to Christ, drugs will leave you alone. You must be addicted to something. You can't just go around life you're not addicted to anything. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. So what happens is this. When people focus on the blessing of God without the spirit of God, they end up with frustration. Don't ever forget it. All right? Now let's get back to the, the main that I, the thoughts as we're trying to follow through scripture. How the whole thing began. So when God made man... The idea is, I will come, fellowship with him, he will become like me. Constant transformation. Focus gazing on him. As long as you are gazing on him, you are becoming like him. 
So the aim of Christianity or the process of Christianity is gazing on Christ constantly. How do you gaze on Christ? His word. If my word abides in you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how you gaze on Christ constantly. All right? Now, Satan, remember, his own aim is what? Truncates that process. Now, what I want to remind us of, which I said, I said earlier, which I need to amplify today, is that what Satan does is to offer a shortcut to the place God created you to be in. What Satan does is to offer you a shortcut to the blessing that God ordained for you. What Satan does is to offer you a shortcut to the glory that God said you should have. I was studying that scripture, that, that portion again, and I realized that this is exactly what he does all the time. Now, God has, now please, this is important. Don't ever forget this. Never cut short divine process. Don't try to. Don't. Sometimes it takes time. He comes to you, speaks to you like Abraham. 25 years you are waiting. It takes time. He talks to you like Moses from childhood through your mother who had had the revelations of God through angelic visitations before you were born. And God gave her the opportunity to raise you. So you heard about it. Ah, You are 40 years old, nothing is happening. So he decided to join APC, join PDP, join the Party, and move the country. At the end, what you got was what? Frustration. Another 40 years in the wilderness. Habba. That is how God is. It can be tiring waiting for him. Was it Tuesday we were discussing that? It can be tiring waiting for the Lord. Yes, on Tuesday. And one of the things you do with prayer, the prayer of consecration, is to consecrate to waiting. When you are tempted to take a shortcut, go back to prayer and say to him, I will wait. Until my change comes, I will wait. I will wait for you, Lord. It's important though. The reason is because God is never slack concerning his promises. He never. But you know what Peter said? God is not slow as what? As men count slowness. That is the problem. That is the problem. We use the counting of man. By now you should be married. By now you should have your own house. By now your ministry should have been this level. By now, by now. Is he, who say, is man counting? The age at which Joseph manifested was not the same age that Moses manifested. Moses manifested at the age of 80 or more. 80 is, is an old man. Joseph at 30, he was ready to start his work. John the Baptist, at 5, 6, he was manifesting. As it, I don't know the exact age, but young, he was in the wilderness. By 30, he was done. People said, you know, the reason why he died was he did not have a revelation of nonsense. He said it himself. I must decrease, he must increase. Their ministries were never ordained to run side by side. I introduce you to the bridegroom. I leave the party. That's all. And that was why Jesus did not preach until he had been taken into custody. So different ages for different persons. As some count slowness, when human beings count slowness in particular, they make you look slow. Motivational speakers can confuse people. Please read the word of God. Forget this motivational thing. It's scripture that matters. They'll be counting for you. At the age of 28, Mark Zuckerberg was a billionaire. Forbes, Time Magazine, people like that, they even make it more, they impress it more on you to show you how a failure you are. 
How much of a failure? They tell you multi-millionaires under 30. They will now find that some of them are thieves. You know what I'm talking about? Stop following people. You know I keep on saying that. They put one of our Nigerian guys on Forbes Africa. All those guys under 30. What, what do they call them? Something under 30. 30 under 30. Yeah, put this guy talking to <laughs> And when they start putting you on the cover of magazine, you're in trouble. The whole world is now looking at you. When they look closely, they say, ah, Momo is a thief. Only. Barao. Oh, Yoshi. <laughs> he was scamming people. Stole $11 million from one company. Now he's cooling his heels in an American jail. After harassing young people that you see this work you are doing, you have not made it yet. They wouldn't show you some people who are not thieves, but who, I mean, there was a time, those who made it, I think it was billionaires under 40, they did it like that, Michael Dell, a lot of them fell in there. Those days, as men count slowness, they're not telling you how slow you are. You had better be in tune with God's timing for you, and forget the one that men are counting. What Satan does all the time is offer us a shortcut into the place that God ordained for us. I don't know how I understood it, but I found out long ago. Satan can never give you that which God never wanted to give you. It's not possible. It doesn't. The gifts of God are not in his hand. He can't. The only thing he can give, which God has granted him, is shortcuts. Where you are going is yours. It's your destiny. It's in front of you. Satan can only tell you, look, let's not go through the path of God. There's a quicker way to get there. I heard the story and they didn't personally verify it, but if you're a biologist, you may know whether it's true or not. But the illustration is perfect. A young boy saw a metamorphosis, butterfly trying to come out of the, the case. The pupa trying to become an adult butterfly. So the thing was struggling and struggling and struggling. So he took a small blade and helped open the shell. And the thing came out, flew for a short while and died. What he did not know is that that struggle is part of the maturation process. He didn't know that. He did not know that. I found out that all Satan offered Adam and Eve, listen to this, was a shortcut to Godhood. Did you hear what I said? I know that word is invented, but he gets my point across. It's a shortcut to Godhood. Why could he offer them that? That was what God made them to be. Let us make man in our image. And when they ate of the fruit, what did God say? Man has now become like one of us. They attained Godhood without divine process. And one of the traits of Godhood is that independence. Fearing no, fearing no man and not fearing God. No, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept of being God. Nobody above you you look up to. You fear nobody. You do exactly as you want. I saw a clip the other day. An advert from Virgin Atlantic Airlines. They have now allowed anybody to dress any way you like according to your identity. And in front of the advert was then wearing a skirt and high heels. And is a man. And I will give you my money to fly so that the confused human being will come to me. And say, well, how can I help you? You can't help me. You can't help me. You, can't, you have not helped yourself. <laughs> and Virgin decided to be 
an industry leader in that. When I first saw the clip, I said, this must be a joke. So I went online and I found out it's true. I found credible you know, news um, organizations publishing it. And I saw the same faces I saw in the clip that was forwarded to me. I said, my God. That is, we have decided. That's how I'm going. Once you try to attain what God wants you to have, without going through the process of God, you always meet confusion, you always meet frustration. You will not be able to manage it. You will be frustrated. Then you are more likely to commit suicide. The same suicide they said, look, change your gender to match what your heart is saying. So you will not commit suicide. It's the same suicide. You will not commit it faster. And in larger numbers. As human beings. What Satan offered Adam and Eve, simple, is you will be like God. That's what he said. Is that not what he said? It's a story we all read. That's why we're not taking time out to read it now. He said you'll be like God. The point I'm making is that was what God wanted them to have in the first place. So they come to people who want to make you famous. You're a good musician. You can sing well. We will make you famous. If they can do it, listen to what I'm going to say. If they can do it, God wanted to do it. Don't think it's everybody that they promised it to, that it worked to. Because the Babala was there too. They're also ministers. They don't know everything. They have a procedure. They take you through it. If it's not your destiny, you die. That's the truth. I'm going to say, it's only those who already have music in them that they can make successful. They can't come to somebody with my own kind of talents and gifting and make me a rap artist. I bite my tongue, <laughs> chew off my teeth. See, they first need to see that you have it. I don't know what I get my point. Yeah, they first have to see that you have it. They first have to see that you have it. They will listen to your demo tape. They watch your performance. They say this thing is inside you. The Bible says the adulterer is hunting what? Hunting what? Precious lives. Don't have that time for empty vessels. It's precious lives. It's an adulterer spirit. You just come and say, you have this thing already. It's only that which God has given you that they will help you amplify. That's the only thing they can do. They come to your church, which is what happened to a lot of people in America. No church gives a lot of singing people platforms. There's one famous Nigerian musician. I won't mention his name. He was a church choir leader in Winners Chapel. Yes. That's what they do. They don't come for non-entities. They have to see your star first. It's when they have seen that star, they say, ah, we can do something with this. That's how powerful they are. Go to the street. Now, do you know, carry one of those beggar boys. Make them rich now. Do you get my principle? So, when they offer something, just know it's only what God wanted to do. The only difference is that God says, walk before me and be perfect. Walk before me and be perfect and I will bless you. And then they come and say, no, eat of that fruit. Tell God you don't care and you will be like God. So they offer you their own fruits to eat. That's what they do these days. They have different ways. They change your dressing. Are you a man? They put earrings in your ear. I see them. Yes, I see the next thing the man has wearing earrings. So I think you've been pastor before. That's it. They change your hairstyle. They cut your skirt as a woman. It becomes so short. You come, you know, you lose shame. You bring out your breast and your butt and be dancing for the whole world to see. You don't know you are demon possessed. You you won't know. 
Jeter is show. That's how they do it. They deliberately create a scandal for you, like one woman said she was offered. So you leave your husband. Somebody told me the other day, my friend outlined for me, there's a particular family, well known in the world. I don't want to mention their name now. It showed that their mother married one man. After him, why? The man said he's transgender. The daughter married one, one guy. He was found drug overdose in a brothel. And that, he, showing me, he said, once you marry to this family, your life is never the same again. I said, yeah, he's Satan. He's Satan. When you marry Satan, how can your life be the same? He gave me about four names. People who married, had a mother or daughter and everything. And then, <laughs> you know, there's one famous black, married one after that they say he has madness in his family. Why would you have madness in your family? And you're going to marry Satan's daughter. Your father in law won't come to your house. He comes visiting with seven spirits more wicked than himself. What am I trying to explain? That is what they can offer. They can never give you that which God did not plan to give you, it's not possible. The only thing they offer is a different process. The only thing they offer is a different process. And that's what I'm saying. Understand something in this life. What is God trying to do in your life? Again, that's one, thing, one way by which you protect yourself. Understand, God is not trying to make you famous. It is not part of the agenda of God for you to be famous. If you are famous, it's an accident. It's just a side effect. It's not about fame. God is not trying to make you rich. The other day, I don't know who was giving us figures. We're just in here. About, I think it was, one of us was giving us figures here. About what some of these Nigerian top musicians now, they make as, um, you know, one night. You know, like one night now, $200,000. What was the figure that day? $500,000, $200,000, one night, oh. I didn't say, it's not a one-year contract. That much you pay to their, that is to their management for him to come and play for you for one night. Half a million dollars. And these boys are like 30. Now, when you focus on that and you're not so insane that one day God will do it for me, you have lost direction. That's a mistake we make. Please, let me go over this again. You know, something, another issue, digression. Please, people of God, never set success in front of you. You are not serving God so you can achieve your dreams. Did you know what I said? You are not serving God so you can achieve your dreams. You are not serving God so you can make you successful. You are serving God so you can become like him. Did you hear what I said? See, the Bible is clear about some things. He said the man who can control his spirit, as an example, I'm giving an example, is better than the one who takes a city. That is, let me not appear to be criticizing anybody. Let me look for another example. Okay. For example, I started a company. The value is at about a billion dollars. I own maybe 75% of it. Fact, I'm essentially a billionaire. All right? Then when I get home, I can't come home. My wife will pour hot water. As I'm approaching, I have to be dodging hot water. I'm coming home. My children are on the porch smoking wee-wee, and I can't see anything. Then I have a new car. They tell me my 14-year-old has taken my car out, and he took his girlfriend with him, or his boyfriend. A boy takes his boyfriend out with my new Ferrari. Basically, I can't control my home. I can't control my spirit. 
I can't control the things that's most precious to God in my life, but I'm a billionaire. God says, I'm a total failure. You have to know what God values. And some people who promise you, you know, fame and wealth and all of that, these are the things they take. Yes. And you know the truth? Sometimes those who really get it, look, let's tell ourselves the truth. People enter the occult to make money. They do. There are different kinds of entry. There are some you just brush by the door. You don't know what's going on inside. They just come open the door of the occult, give you some contracts you sign. You don't really know what you're signing. These are the low-level ones. But that was the commonest we do it every day. You start hanging with people you're not supposed to hang out with. You're staying late. You are entering the occult. You enter communion services, not communion services. Communion service, the way we do in church, we gather like this, we, we, we speak English, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. We gather in our homes, our dining. On the night he was betrayed, he took the, 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 the bread, he broke it, he took the cup, he poured it, he said this and all of that. They will eat bread and we eat, drink wine. That's communion service. But it's another communion service. It's very common. It's at the bar. It's at the joint at night. They break swear and gruda. And then the chief priest, the pastor for the night, you know him. His wife lives somewhere off on the street. His family lives somewhere off on the street. There's one last guy like this. He comes with Jezebel you have never seen before. And Jezebel has her head rested on his shoulders throughout. And he says, eat now, eat now, eat now. He's a chief priest of Satan. He's serving you communion. Yes, people don't know. You think it's every court that says, yeah, bow down? No. He brings his suya. And as you are discussing, discussing business, and you are eyeing the Jezebel, Jezebel beside him. And she's looking at you and smiling and cutting eye for you in one corner to prove to you that she's really Jezebel. <laughs> and you eat one night, you drink, and they never have soft drinks. Like one of my friends stumbled into one of those places, he drank beer because the wicked witch that owned the joint. Put extra pepper inside the pepper soup. How was peppered pepper soup? They had suya, they had everything to quench his thirst and kill the pepper. He had to, and she had chilled bottles. So they pour a glass. My good friend who doesn't drink normally, so that pepper will not kill him, <laughs> he takes a sip. So he asks for water. Yeah, I just said I don't have. That's the witch. Oh, sorry, there's no water. Can I get a Coke? No, we know they sell cocoa. What do you have? Uh, we have a... Okay, if you don't like the beer, I can bring stout. What about malt? It don't finish. Basically, you must drink. So the guy had to choose between dying of pepper or just taking small beer. Small beer became big beer. Just, you see, some of the people are serving Satan don't even know what they are doing. They're just serving Satan. He told me a testimony, in quote. In fact, after people have told me those testimonies. Finally, he got to where they were staying, entered his room, and there was a woman there. Yeah, they kept a woman there for him. They do it all the time. Please read my book, Worship and Sex Control. It's not about just being bad boys. It's initiation process. People don't know it. Married men don't understand. When God says... Thou shalt not do something. He's not trying to become more God than he was before. See, now, if you commit adultery, now my Godship will reduce him. Satan will not come and take over my throne. You know that kind of nonsense we believe sometimes. No. When he says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, he's saying, Don't give control over your life and your household to strangers. 
you commit adultery, one man sitting under the bridge somewhere in nature will tell you when to wake up and when to sleep, and you won't know why. He's a chief priest. You slept with one of his agents. Have you heard this story before that you go to the line, they steal your pants and turn it to money? It's a lie. A man with It's a lie. It's a fat lie. They cannot steal your thing. You know, you are going on the road, just to touch you like this. You turn to, to, to cockroach. You not turn to, it's a lie. He said, well, Pastor, I know somebody who, who it happened to. That person is coming from the house of a harlot. I just finished preaching here. You touch me. You will turn to mouse. I mean, you will touch me. You will turn to mouse. I'm, I'm telling you, you will turn to mouse. Like I said, humorously, they said they touched the man and his, his JT disappeared. I said, listen, if you touch me, your brain will disappear. No, I'm, I'm not joking. Just go and tell one we say, Pastor Bank is passing. Go and touch him. So just, just bring your hand. Don't, you don't need to touch me. I will shake your hand. God bless you. As I say like this, your brain melts. Your brain will come out, out like dust in my hand. I'm telling you, and as you, when you go back to your, to your coven, you'll be behaving like an idiot. <laughs> what happened? Then somebody will not descend. He touched a righteous child of God. So how can we get her brain back? So that brain, they don't flush him. <laughs> so after that, the man go pee. He don't flush. <laughs> he washed his hand in the toilet there. Don't wash him. I'm telling you. So let somebody come and deceive you. Say, this rubbish. The people that they can touch and collect something from, ask them where they are coming from. Ask them where they, where they have been eating. One other brother told me that he was hobnobbing with some very big men. Now, these men are powerful. One of them I found out later. Another brother was telling me about different stories. Now, I want to join it to let you know some things. These are very powerful people financially. Very, very powerful. Years later, one brother was telling me that he walked with one of them. That you don't, the only car you see him drive is a Bentley, a Rolls Royce. It doesn't matter the quality of the Toyota. It's a security man that entered it. Now, this is the kind of person my other friend said he was hanging out with. They are coming to town, they call him. Say, sit down somewhere, the gist and gist, and you know, like, okay, you do this one for us. They can maybe, okay, just count money, millions. Okay, help us do this. Some small thing. He was making a lot of money. He said that time when he would go home like this, he used to come with bags of money. So I said, so, where, how did the relationship end? One day they finished the meeting. He went to his hotel room. Again, the same thing. There was a woman in the hotel room waiting for him. So he knew that this relationship was over. See, I have a friend. He's a senior judge now. He's a judge. One of our brothers. He told the story when he was a magistrate. They came to, people came to his house. There was a particular case. Maybe a land case, community case, and stuff like that. They came to beg him. What are you doing in my house? They had to leave. When they were leaving, the woman that came with them did not leave. So they said, wait, 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 wait. You, are you not following them? Ah, they said, no, no, no. Aha, sir. Uh, <laughs> my Lord, that's just to make sure you are not alone. Natalie said, I am with my loving Jesus. All of you come and go. <laughs> I am not alone. Now, he drove everybody out of his house. You know, when he told this story, I already understood these things. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. What they, they were not trying to bribe you. You bribe with money. You see, let me tell you the truth. Why would I bring a woman to bribe you? What is it's not cheaper to give you the money. You can get any woman you want. There are a lot of crazy women on the streets. 
Why did they bring that one? That one, just one night with her. Not a whole night, half a night. Just one hour. At the end of the day, you've lost your, the control of your brain. After that, they'll be writing your judgment for you under a tree. What case is that? That's it. Okay. The Babala will just say that he's going to decide in favor of them and find these people. One millionaire. He will write it on a, on a, on a pallet made of sand and write the judgment and blow it. Please, if you have not read the book, Worship and Sense Control, go and read it. I explained this things inside there. People don't understand what they, they think. They are, yeah, it, when God gives commandment, it's you he's protecting. When he's giving commandments, it is you he's protecting. It's not, there's nothing he's gaining from your righteousness. It is you he's protecting. There's nothing he's personally gaining from your righteousness. So, again, let me say it. What Satan does is to, his aim is to frustrate that process. His process is frustrating. God did not call you in life to make you rich or famous. Get those things off your mind. It is not as if, if you serve God enough, one day you too will be successful. In that light. No. If you serve God enough, one day you will be like him. That's it. That is the aim. If you serve God enough, one day you will be like him. Please, stop setting worldly success in front of you and as if God needs to do it for you as a sign that he's a faithful God. If worldly failure is what is required to make you like him, please embrace it with both hands. The aim from the beginning was let us make you in our image. That's the aim. Let us make you in our image. Every experience in life is supposed to help make you in his image. Every blessing in life is supposed to help make you in his image. I found out, of course you know it too, that God doesn't give you anything except that he wants you to be able to give it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. God gave Abraham Isaac so that Abraham would have a sacrifice. The giving up of Isaac was to help Abraham become what he was supposed to be. They say the highest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. You work in an office, it's not because you're going to be the richest person in the world after working there. It's that when you finish there, you'll have learned patience, you'll have learned love, you'll have learned how to give, you have learned you know, long-suffering. You've learned. So the person who's helping you become that is really helping you do the will of God in your life. Not the one who's paying you so much that your brain does not work anymore. The highest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. It is that becoming that was the aim of God from the beginning. Don't let the world use their own timing to set the purpose of your life. I'm emphasizing to us that all Satan can do is offer a shortcut. A shortcut to the place that God created for you to be. And that shortcut means you will never go through the process. So you become independent. Your name is Adam. Your name is Eve. You are not like God. You make your own laws, but you don't know life. Do you get my point? That's what happened. 
He said, no, no, just think about it. Yeah, I don't want control, you know, young people. As a young person, don't take advice from young people. I look back when we were young, and I see some, some ideas we used to have. I said, my God, thank you for giving us parents. Thank you for giving us life that made sure we couldn't afford to do some things we wanted to do. Yeah. What am I going to say? You take a 12-year-old, and they say, you'll be a man of your own. Then you give him money. Then he becomes a man of his own. You know, by the time he's 18, he's not normal again. Of course. That's if he's still alive. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They became gods on their own. The meaning of eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is basically, I'm now my own god. That's the meaning of it. It's a statement. It's a sacramental tree by which you make a statement. That I will make my own laws and make my own decisions. And so God removed them from the garden that he planted. Go and plant your own garden. That's the meaning of from the sweat of your brows. You eat bread. Okay, you don't like my garden, you go to your own garden. Make your own garden. Make your own way. Do your own stuff. One of the earliest signs that things were bad was that the son killed the brother. Please let me, I, want, I need to get to the next part of the message. What have I tried to emphasize so far? Don't truncate divine process. Don't be in a hurry for anything. Don't set worldly success in front of you. Don't. The reason why you are working, the reason why you are living is to become, to fulfill that original purpose. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. When he becomes our image, when he's exactly like us, dominion is automatic. Dominion is automatic. Satan's agenda is, no, I will give you that thing, which is independence, without the process. I will give you that thing without the process. That's Satan for you, all right? And that's where one area you must resist him, okay? Now, next point. When these people ate of the fruit, let, okay, let's read a few scriptures. We're going to read from Romans chapter 5. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 5. I just want to read from verse um, 12. He said, therefore, now we're not reading what came before therefore, but let's just get our own point from these three verses. He said, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. So nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, um, let me see whether I should try and get this in a simpler... Anyway, I will explain it. New Living Transition says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. That's what I want to bring out. Sin entered the world as a result of the sin of Adam. Let me remind us again that Eve was deceived, the Bible says, but Adam was not deceived. So when Paul spoke here, he said there was a uniqueness, or there is a uniqueness to the sin of Adam. And what is that uniqueness? He was not deceived. It was deliberate disobedience. Now, once they disobeyed, Adam being the head of creation then, he unleashed, of course, we know the aim of Satan is to remove that communication between God and man. And that is what we call death. He said, the day you eat of the fruit, what did God say to them? 
that day you shall surely die. Please, I want to explain something about the judgments of God again. The judgments of God are not, most of the time, they are not actually pronouncements out of anger. They are descriptions of natural consequences. I hope you're getting my point. It's not like you are angry. There can be something about, you know, you know I, I read, the other day I was reading, I've read the, a number of the prophets. But let me be honest with you, after a while, I got tired of them. Especially Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, let's jump Daniel, who was not one of them. No, Daniel is not one of those prophets, okay, in that regard. So Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I like Isaiah, okay. The first part of Isaiah is like that too. So first part of Isaiah, the second part of Isaiah is is Isaiah of hope. The first part, 1 to 39, Isaiah of judgment. In fact, some scholars will tell you that they are two totally different individuals. Yeah, some scholars say that. I don't believe them. I don't believe them. I'm of the school of thought that just says that, look, you can do two things. So there was a phase of his life where the, it was Jeremiah type of anointing. Then another phase in which it was a Jesus Christ type of anointing. And of course, Isaiah 53 is one of the most striking portions of the scriptures. Describe Jesus Christ perfectly. And is, in fact, when you want to understand Jesus, you have to read Isaiah 53. It really helps. Anyway, so I got tired of those prophets. Like I said, the first part of Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, Zephaniah, Haggai, you know, Malachi, all of those people, Habakkuk. Go and read it. Most of them, hmm? nothing less than 80% of their talk is judgment. And this is, this is adult-only judgment. That is the kind of judgment that if they put on TV, a rating will be 18 and above. You will hear things like, they will take your children by the legs and strike their head against the wall. That's violence to the core. In fact, Moses said like this, the sight you will see will drive you mad. This was Moses, gentle Moses. No man as meek as him anywhere. Yet when he was given them the word of God, he said, when God is done with you, the sight you will see will make you mad. That women will be so hungry they will eat their own children. That they will miscarry, they will eat the thing that was miscarried. It's disgusting. Say, so at day, you wish it was night. At night, you will pray for day. Ha. After a while, I look at it. There are times I'm reading the Bible. I say, Zephaniah, you don't do I'm going to read Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me a lot. In fact, Jeremiah's own is the one that is tiring. Oh, God. You know why? You know, it's the longest book in the Bible. Longer than Psalms. You know, Jeremiah's own is the worst. You know why? <laughs> you want to know the reason? He prophesied for everybody. You know, God said, I've made you what? A prophet to what? The nations. Most of the other prophets were prophets to Israel. Israel and Judah, that's all. What's the name of the, the farmer? The sacramental tree, Amos. Amos came from um, Judah, went to prophesy in Israel, the other way around. And they just prophesied amongst themselves. Jeremiah, no. <laughs> Jeremiah was an international prophet. He had a shortwave radio. <laughs> if you know what I mean. He will sit down, prophesy for Judah. Prophesy for Israel. Then go to the Ammonites, give them their own prophecy. Go to the Moabites, 
donate their own. He will, oh, let's not forget the Babylonians. Babylon had the whole channel. They had the whole channel for the Babylonians. Finish, you remember the Assyrians. So about the people in Egypt, you go give them their own. Where is Cush? You go. And all of them, horrible news. So that's why sometimes I'm reading Jeremiah or listening to Jeremiah. I just say, man of God, it's all right. Let's go and read the gospel according to Luke. You know, you want something that's more encouraging. <laughs> you go and read Ephesians. Your spirit will be lightened. <laughs> After I finish lightening your spirit and everything, you now mistakenly enter Revelation. It starts again. <laughs> so one day I actually wondered that God why is your book so full of this kind of? Uh, uh, thank God for even you know Psalm says you go wonder say David are you a Christian you know <laughs> when he prays for his enemies hey some churches they just read the Psalms all their enemies are dead they don't even need to do more than that after I considered everything it, it bothered me at, at the time but then over time I began to understand what God was saying. In all of it, I can't remember which one I want to quote now, but at the point in time I saw Jeremiah after prophesying and prophesying that intensity of judgment. Just chewing a word. And what was that word? It doesn't have to be like this. That's all. It doesn't have to be like this. What am I trying to say? You see, when you read the scripture, see all those judgments, God was not saying them out of anger. He's actually telling us what life outside is like. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He's warning. It's like me telling my, my child, a small boy, if you leave home, you understand. Let me tell him, maybe you remove the part where I say if, all right? I tell him that they will kidnap you, they will murder you, they will break your, you know, I say those kind of things. You're like, why are you prophesying evil against your child? No. Here's the first part. If you follow this gang, if you leave home, before this time, if you do this, even though it looks glamorous, you see those boys drive down the streets, you know, they are playing music, you know, they have their, you know, I don't know how young boys like crazy haircuts. I don't know. And your hair, God gave you hair, you can comb it away, you now scatter it anyhow. Twist, twist, twist it and now put studs here and there. Are you alright? Huh? Let's not go there. But anyway, let's just continue our message. Then you now go, you see a man. Put ring in his nose. There's one guy in Nigeria. He calls himself the president of the, is it youth? What, what do they call it? Wait now. He calls himself one name. No, there's one he called himself for president of the other day. That is the head of the, is it suffering youth? Frustrated youth of Nigeria. Egbo is almost 70. Frustrated youth of Nigeria. So Pastor John looked at him and said, if you are there, they are present, I'm their father. You know, see, you know, people don't do this to put ring here and you're looking at them. God is telling, I'm telling, I'm God now telling my, my children. Those boys you are seeing feeling very happy. They are not happy. They look happy. If you follow them, these are the things that will happen to you. Actually, I don't want those things to happen. Is the reason why I'm describing them in details. I'm hoping he will be so scared. He will not be carried away by the initial glamour. Did you catch me? I'm trying to describe what life is really like behind that facade. 
Behind that appearance of driving the sharpest pimp top E-class in town. Behind that facade of looking like, look, we fear nobody. We leave home anytime we like. We come back anytime we like. Like Solomon said, we don't deny ourselves any pleasure. Once it comes to our heads, we go for it. If it makes you happy, do it. Even if you feel like walking naked is your spirit. Yeah, there are people like that. They have the the right to walk naked. You go abroad, people walking. They are not mad. They are just well. They are not supposed to be mad, but you get my point. Uh, They will have. They put a sign for you. This is a nudist community. You enter that street. Everybody walking around naked. Someone told me one of our one of the, the, the brothers lives abroad. So one day in their neighborhood, they see swimming pool. Carry the children go swim. They were very, very happy. So next day, come back again. Carry the children come swim pool. What he did not notice is a sign. One small sign there. On the other people in the neighborhood started arriving, the white guys. And they were jumping into the pool all stuck naked. He packed the children in the hurry, covered their faces, put them inside motor, disappear, go out. Yeah. yeah, this world is mad though. This world is totally mad. What I'm trying to emphasize to you, okay, is the fact that these people, that is, is the fact that this is what happens when you are outside God. That is what happens. And so what God tries to describe is people, listen, this is life outside God. This is life outside God. So he keeps describing those things so that you will not want to get there. I found out that there are two things. One, for those who are already on the way there, he gives them a way of escape. And he furthers the description so you will never backslide into that road. Because a time will come, there will be no way of escape. Let me tell you something about God. He's very just. When he starts punishing people and send them to hellfire, he will, even remove, he will have removed from himself the ability to feel sorry. He will shut them off from his mind. That's what they call hell. Let me tell you what hell is. Hell is hopelessness. You're suffering, you don't, there's, no, there's no, no hope that it one day come to an end. And that's eternity. That, see, people talk about hell and fire. I said, I'm, I'm not saying fire is not important to I'm going to say that it doesn't have to be fire. If I just prick your hand with pain, just pain prick, that initial pain, all right, and I'm able to prolong it for a thousand years, it's hell. As small as it is, it's already hell. God doesn't have to create one special fire to be burning you. What is it? What are, why are you feeling so important with yourself? <laughs> Do you follow my point? No. The fact that there is no hope out of your discomfort is hell. So what the Lord does, please follow me, is he tries to explain to people, don't go that way. It's a useless direction. Don't go that way. It's a bad idea. Don't go that way. So what you see as divine judgment is nothing but description of a man, a woman whose life has been truncated from the flow of the Spirit of God. What you see on this earth, how do I say it? Like I said before, things that in the spirit and things that are physical are slightly different. What I'm going to say is this. There are things that can cross the realm of the spirit from one to the other. So the fire on earth does not exist in hell. That earthly fire. 
The only reason why fire on earth is used to describe what is in hell is that is the best way to describe torment for earthly beings. Do you get my point? In the same manner, many of these troubles you see on earth, they really are not troubles in themselves. They are are signs of spiritual trouble. Did that make sense to you? The problem is not earthly farming, that there's no food. The problem is that you've been disconnected from God. So it manifests as earthly farming. For some people, it manifests. There are places where God, for certain reasons, has decreed that food will be abundant. Yet they still separate themselves from God. You know, God does interesting things. The land that was flowing with milk and honey. The people there, were they good or bad? But the land was flowing with milk and honey. So don't be impressed by land. They can flow with anything. Depends on why God is making it flow. Yet a day before they were destroyed totally, they were living in utter luxury in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were having the time of their... They could sleep with anything they wanted. Snakes. They slept with snakes. Anything. So they saw strangers. They said, let's try these people. They look like they are from far. What will it be like? They were living in utter useless leisure. Yet their land was so good. People were buying visas to go there. Yet you woke up one day, there was no land there anymore. A day before they were totally wiped out, they were one of the best countries in the world to live in. Bear that in mind. So don't let it, look. Sometimes God will look at a place and say, Look, I've blessed this land with food. No matter what they do, eh? food will be in abundance. Now, you see where I'm going. So the people in some countries will cut themselves off from God, they step into divine judgment. The manifestation of their own cut off separation is what? Hunger. So the rain doesn't fall. You go to another country, they do the same thing, and God says, No, the rain will still fall, or even if it doesn't fall. You know, we have given them technology on irrigation, they will still have food. So they cut off, we manifest inside their homes. Spiritually, you look, they are all suffering the same things. In one area, it is manifest as famine. But husband, wife, and children will suffer together. Hunger. Do you get my point? You get another one, there's plenty of food. One man will take his own, shove it down his throat, his nose. Why? He has gone mad. The woman will come one day and say, I just realized I'm a man. I've been lying in this house by having a husband and having children. and breastfeeding them. Really, in my soul, I'm a man. She will get up, go to hospital. One crazy doctor will remove both of her breasts for her. And says she's doing transitioning. And she'll come on television and be talking about, you know, with a new masculine voice, how you need to discover yourself and not live in a lie. And then, God says, see, everybody is suffering. This one is suffering food, hunger. This one is suffering emotional hunger. Emotional hunger so bad. Look at what she has done. Is she suffering? The other woman says, why should I, why should I transgender myself? There's no need. Bring a gun, wait for the children, shoot them one by one. And look for the husband. They're dead. Yes, I told you. Why? And they call police. And he goes, oh, police, police they, don't, they don't even know what to do. If you put you on death row, will he bring these five children? This really happened. The story I'm telling you, one woman sat down, shot her five children one by one. I think four or five kids. When she was done, she called the police. So the police wondered, okay, what are we supposed to do? Thank you for calling us. You can't even try. That is, you are confused. 
If it's Europe, they won't even try you at all. They just go and lock you up in one mental home where you are not normal. Americans don't care whether you are normal or not, you are going to jail. You can continue your madness in prison. <laughs> That's how they are in America. There's, this story of you are not normal is your problem. What am I trying to say here? You see, when people cut themselves off from God, they go into, we said it before, hell on earth. It's hell. Now, the hell now manifests in different ways. But those who don't understand will be looking for where land is green, thinking hell is only land matter. It's only food matter. No. There are all kinds of hells everywhere. But what I'm trying to say, when God says, in that day you eat it, that day you shall surely die. Dying does not mean you will collapse and physically expire. It means you are stepping into the hell on earth. Do you get what I'm going to say here? Why? Again, it wasn't a matter of anger. You have said you will be your own God. So create your own heaven. Do you get my point? But you can't. So every day, you know, when I see the amount of money, medical science, you know, invests in finding the cause of sicknesses and the cure. What just pains me is that sometimes I just say, look, this thing is not necessary now. If only we all repent of our sins, pray to God, walk in his ways, a group of people that will lose their job within one generation is doctors. Those who, those who forecast the weather, they will remain employed because we need to know what today will be like. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It just means that is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? Is that true? Yes, Israel did not have a doctor. In the early days, they didn't have. God to them flash from the beginning. I'm the Lord, your healer. There will be none feeble amongst you. The only doctors in court they had were priests who will inspect this person is sick. What kind of sickness does he have? Oh, go and quarantine him. And they start wondering, did he break a law? Because the truth is that if the person, if somebody actually fell sick and they went to one of those priests and they offered a sacrifice for him, he would get healed. When the whole country sinned and snakes invaded and began to bite and kill them, God told Moses, not a big deal. Now take a serpent of bronze, put it on a, a stand at a pole, hang it there. Whoever will look to it will be healed. When they left Egypt, there was miracles everywhere. There was none feeble amongst them. What I'm telling you is not a joke. There are some things I do personally. If I say people, will meet, you know, some people, they, don't, they are not your disciples. I want to do this more. Can I digress? So that you know where you are in my life. <laughs> Different kinds of people follow Jesus Christ. You, know, you, you understand that? Different. Some people followed him. Why? Food. Free food. It's free food. What is preaching is his problem. See, you multiply bread. <laughs> what is preaching doesn't concern them. They are is that, as Jesus is saying, <laughs> love thy neighbor as thyself. They, are not, they don't even hear it. Not even talk about they would love their neighbor or not. When just finished, just, uh, where is the food? They now say they are sharing it now. Whether it was multiplied or commandeered or raised from heaven, they don't care. Following Jesus, you ate free food. That's what that matters to them. Some follow Jesus Christ because the massive following with this kind of movement we can take power. <laughs> That's all. No, go and check it. The zealous follow. Look, does look with this kind of any man who can move the populace like this should be in our party. 
They followed him for that reason. Some followed Jesus because nobody from their village has ever been this prominent. So let us follow this Jesus Christ so that at least they will not say, we serve. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This one has come out now. They follow for, for pride reasons. Very few people followed him for the fact that he had a word of life. Very few. But let's not talk about Jesus. Let's talk about banking. Some people follow me just because I disagree with some popular doctrines. So they are rebels. <laughs> they are rebellious people. They, they are the ones that give me a bad name. They go to their church, be arguing with their pastor every day, and they'll be quoting me. So the first time the pastor knows about one pastor Banky is that he's the reason why this boy does not die. He does not give first fruit. And his brain, but the guy is not generous at all. You know, if you are in a church and you say, I don't tithe, but pastor don't say, may you deal with them. They will forgive you. Forget all of this. We will forgive you. Why are you looking at me like that? It's not true. <laughs> so that you see, they, are, they don't do anything. Come for prayer, they will not come. They are going for evangelism, they will not come. Okay, everybody bring a tuba of yam, they will not come. They will be arguing that the real offering is the body of Jesus Christ. And all the pastor asks for is each member a tuba of yam. Do you follow my point? When they will not be quoting me. So the first time the pastor hears about me, I'm a troublemaker. One man actually said it. They were planning a program in their church. Somebody said, who do we invite now? Ah, so one of his guys said, let's invite Pastor Bank. He said, who, Pastor Bank? That one that's causing problems in the noble. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not joking. He said, who? That one. The, that one that is causing problems in the noble. That's what this pastor said. That's how I got to hear the gist. And I know the problem I'm causing. I know the problem. Many people are following me. They are not, they, they are not listening to me carefully. They just take some things that seem to agree with them, with their rebellious spirit. I remember when that free started talking. I had to denounce and say, I don't know him. When he was talking that time, somebody said, ah, this Pastor Bank is hey. I said, don't link the two of us. I heard him once. I said, this guy's spirit is wrong. The first, I didn't even, I just, they just sent me a clip of something he said. And he started with, any, any person giving pastors his tight in this country is a goat. I said, that's the end. This guy is not my, me and him are not the same. Do you get my point? I had to deny. I said, no, no, please, sir. If, if our letters may sound the same, our spirits are totally different. I preach that Christians should be very generous givers. What I just say is that we are not legalistic. We don't use a calculator to do our giving. We are generous. We are generous. We are very, very generous. Okay? Now, why did I start talking about that? You know, I can't remember the reason. Really, I forgot what I was to say, so let me just rewind a bit, okay? Now, so I was trying to say that when we disobey God, all right, what we do will become what? Independent. And then what we now fall into, when the Bible says that that day you eat of it, that day you shall surely die, that death is trunk, being truncated from the flow of the Spirit of God. And everything we now find out afterwards is what? Natural. It's, and when God describes his judgment, he's trying to warn us so that we will not step into that judgment. Remember I said that, okay? So, the concept of death, therefore, when God says, that day you shall surely die, he wasn't speaking out of anger. He was describing for people what exactly separation from God does. Now, that separation, that death comes in three levels. I need to explain that. It comes in three levels. 
The first level is, is a spirit. In fact, just life has three levels. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay? So just take it like that. The first one is in the spirit level. The person is cut off from the flow of the spirit of God. There's no relationship with them any, with, between God and the individuals anymore. If God is approaching, what happens? They run. Instead of their heart longing towards his presence, what they rather have is they would rather not come to where God is. It's a sign of spiritual death. The things of God don't attract them at all. The things of God don't. So, you're going to church. They don't know why you should go to church. It's a sign of being spiritually dead. The word of God is not alive to them. You are saying things, you are describing things about Christ Jesus. It doesn't make any sense to them. That's the first sign of spiritual death. The next sign of spiritual death is the next level. The emotions, the soul level. When people separate from God, again, reading that book, Worship and Sex Control, all kinds of madness comes into their lives. Yes. There's something that Elihu said. That no one says, where is God my maker? Who makes us wiser than the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air? What does that mean? The reason why we don't behave like animals is because of the spirit of God. I hope you're getting my point. There are a lot of restraints placed upon us because of the spirit of God. So when the spirit of God is removed, okay, now, those things tend to remain for some time. That's the things we learned by the influence of the spirit. But over time, like I told you what Virgin um, Atlantic is now doing, things that you have thought was unreasonable suddenly starts becoming normal and reasonable. You, we are just led by what makes us comfortable. Emotionally, now that is, if I just want to do something, I do it. Why, why, why should I do it? If I decide that I, I fall in love with a man, all right, I describe myself as homosexual. I hope you're getting my point. You know, a dog does not know that the other dog is the mother. When that dog comes of age, and that female dog is still there, in fact, you have to deliberately separate them so you don't have problems with offsprings that are very, very weak. The dog doesn't understand it. That's how animals behave. But with us human beings, we are not like that at all. People think it's normal. It's not normal. It's godly. Are you getting my point? It's the spirit of God that places those things inside us. So when people separate from God, over time, the society starts behaving like animals. And they start legislating in favor of animal behavior. Then after a while, you find out that amongst humans, they start doing what even animals don't do. Do you get my point here? That is the second level. The third level of death is this. is a physical one. That's the third level of death. What am I, physical one? One, the reason why your body functions the way it functions is because God blessed it. Yes, go and check it and say, and he blessed them. When that blessing is withdrawn, the body starts malfunctioning. I know enough of medicine to tell you the human cell. You know, in medicine, there's something they do all the time. You know, okay, I was telling you that medicine has spent a lot of money. Yeah, no, I was saying something like that. Trying to find the cause, the cure, you know, of disease. And they will never accept that it's because of iniquity. I'm a pathologist. I know almost all the stories they have to tell about why cancers develop. But there's one thing nobody has ever said. Why does that why happen? No. Okay, let me use the word. They say how. Okay. They say how it develops. 
but nobody has ever told me why that how happens. They will describe the reason that, let me give an example. This will, this will interest you. If you don't believe in God, listen to me for a moment. You, you just know your brain is not working. But if you, if you listen to what I'm trying to say, you know you have to believe in God. You have to believe in a designer. You have billions and billions. If you don't count your red cells, we have billions and billions and billions of cells in your body. All right? A lot of them divide regularly. That's why you're still there. Every day, a lot of your skin falls off. Every day, every day. The top layer of your skin, which is old cells, they fall off every day. And they're replaced Every day. Your whole blood is replaced every three months. Every three months, they wipe out the old ones and produce new ones. And the production is based on cells dividing. dividing. Each time a cell divides, it has to make an exact copy of the whole DNA. We're talking about trillions of molecules. And the copy must be exact. If, if I gave you a lecture on how it happens, you will start worshipping. They know when to tell the cell when to walk. They know how to, because the, the DNA normally is closed. They know how to open it. They know how to co- make an exact copy, separate the copies to the new cell, put in one group, and the cell divides at a critical point. If anything goes wrong, they kill the new cell. If anything goes wrong, if anything goes wrong, you're making billions and billions of copies. You no know, small, small molecules. Stitching them together. And they can detect something out of order. You know, they're trying to repair it. It's as if they are human. And the repair does not work. They pop their fingers. The whole new cell crumbles, dies, and dissolves. They start again. You tell me it happened by chance? You are ignorant. If you have studied real biology, you cannot believe that this happened by chance. This is where I'm going. So what does cancer develop? They say, yeah, along the line, one cell, one molecule that was supposed to detect that one, something is wrong did not detect it, so it allowed it to fly. Okay, so, then that one now became like this, it <laughs> became like that, then this one now became a cancer cell, looking like. So why did that one not detect it? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why? Because if you look at it, the common sense thing is that there are so many happening that it can fail. That is true, but there's so much checks and balances that the failure should have been picked up. Now, you see where I'm going. After I have reasoned and reasoned about it, I came to the conclusion, of course, because I'm a believer, that even those errors are spiritually directed. Yes. The errors are spiritually directed. They are not games of chance. A spirit comes and says, hey, don't copy that one properly. Miscopy. Amplify the miscopies. And we have found out that the cells that have miscopied set a stage for further miscopy. Then after a while, the abnormal cell completely has like 500 wrong copies, all of which make cells grow more than before. If it was a real miscopy, why are you making the cell more aggressive? Some of you are now lost, but don't worry. The point I'm trying to make is that you see that even that sickness... Which science tried to explain to us is an accident. It's not an accident. It's called a force of darkness. The same energy that positive things were produced through, a similar energy on the dark side is used to produce negative things, which is what happens in darkness. Once we cut off from God, spiritual forces come, starts re-engineering what's going on around us. They even re-engineer the weather. 
We can't handle the weather. We can't. But once, because I'm learning something here. What you see, you think is normal life. It's not normal. It's powered by spirit. Once that spirit has been cut off, an evil spirit takes over and starts making everything go wrong. The time water is supposed to go to the sky, condense and fall as rain, it enters the sky and disappears to another part of the world. Do you get my point? You see, it's farming. Physical things we are doing for our own comfort, they don't work anymore. Three levels of death, remember that? Spiritual level, you don't like the things of God anymore. You can't reconnect. Second, socially, the soul level. You start misbehaving, start doing things that will injure you, start living like animals. Third level, the body starts falling sick anyhow. Sickness is coming to the earth. Animals fall sick. Plants fall sick. The weather starts misbehaving. Everything goes wrong. Why does everything go wrong? It is simple. Because what sustained it from the beginning is what? A blessing. God said, be fruitful. Go and check it. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I hope you're getting my point. Those are the three levels of death. And the Bible says, how did it come into the world? Let's go back there, Romans chapter 5. It says, from true one man, sin entered into the world. And what? Death through sin. Every time you find sin. No, let's talk about sin. What is sin? It's simple. Disobedience to God's order. What is Adam's sin? Disobedience, conscious, deliberate disobedience to a direct instruction from God. That's Adam's sin. What is sin generally? Disobedience to God's... When I say order, I don't mean commandment. I mean God's system. God's order of things. That is sin generally. But Adam's sin was that God gave a direct commandment. And he said, my wife and I have chosen to go and live on our own. How did death enter? Because Adam said to God, my wife and I have chosen to go and live on our own. What is death? That's why I said everything I said. One, the presence of God no longer interesting to them. For whatever reason. One, fear. Secondly, people start misbehaving. Cain is angry. He kills Abel. Third, the, 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 the power of God to sustain the creation that he made is now being withdrawn from them. That's the third level of death. All of this came how? Because of sin. And listen to this. As long as human beings walk in sin, no matter how hard they walk, death will always win. I've seen people try to this happens in the world right now. Some people are very rich. They believe very strongly that with the rate of advancement of science, that one day they'll be able to revive those who are dead. So for that reason, you know what they've done? They've invested money to preserve their bodies. So when they die, don't bury, don't embalm, don't do anything. Just put them in, don't freeze them in a particular, there's a way they do it in science. Put them at a particular temperature, keep the body down, keep the body frozen at a particular temperature. It's almost as if it's alive, but it's dead. You get my point? So that when science reaches that level, they can bring them back and wake them up again. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> this world is a crazy world. People are doing things like that. Some people actually did it to their pets, hoping that maybe before they get too old, the pets can be woken up. Prosperity has its own problems. Yeah, people do that. But what they don't realize, even if you were to have, of course, God has his own plan for that. What is it called? Resurrection, thank you. God has his own plan for that. He will make for everybody a new body. Yeah, for everybody 
that every Christian, every child of God, God will make for them what? A new body. He will make for them a new body. Now, this is what I'm going. Those who are doing that, they don't realize. Even if you were to wake up that body, you, can, you can't wake up the soul. That soul is in hell. It's not coming back to that body. If you were to wake that body up, it would be a zombie. <laughs> possessed by an evil spirit. Tell you the truth. Oh, it will be there, possessed by an evil spirit. Why? You see, death, that's where I'm going. Death has entered the world as a result of sin. Man does not have the power to overcome death. Man, see, whatever level of death you are looking at, man does not have the power to overcome death. Man can struggle there and science can work from now till forever. They will never conquer sickness. That's the word of God. They will never. They will conquer one. Another one will start. For example, in a lot of Africa, the major problems we have is infections. All right? We have infections a lot. In those countries, their own infections are now worse than our own. So what do I mean? If you have a bacterial infection here, I'll give you cheap antibiotics, you are fine. Those places, cheap antibiotics don't work anymore. They now what they call superbugs. There are antibiotics, there are bacteria present there that no antibiotic can kill. And they are, go and Google it up, superbugs, they call them. They are a terrifying idea to medical science in some of those countries. They have the best antibiotics, but some, antibi- some bacteria said, mm-hmm. as you inject like this, they'll be smoking. <laughs> then themselves, come on, these guys are trying to kill us. Spread it in this guy. And they are afraid of an outbreak. That if they break out, in so- and you know why they developed? Because of advances in science. They have killed out so many of them with high-level antibiotics that a few managed to escape, and those ones are tough. They have protection against every antibiotic available. Okay, should I tell you the reason why? It's called what? Death. It's death. It's death. It's the spirit of death. You cure some diseases, another set will come. There is nothing you can do. As long as you withdraw the spirit of God from mankind, there is nothing you can do about death. It will just change its manifestation. Even if you were to kill off all the microorganisms, you now have another set called degenerative diseases. Somebody's brain will just shrink for nothing. Till now, we don't know really why some people develop Alzheimer's disease. It just happens. So what's happening now in a lot of those countries, people are getting older and getting sicker. You have a lot, that's why a lot of Nigerians get jobs easily abroad, because they need people to care for the old. Do you know why? It's called what? Death. It is interesting, difficult to believe, but the truth is that God didn't plan for this to ever happen. You are supposed to live to be a thousand years old and still be jogging and playing football. The human body was not designed to wear out. It wasn't. The reason why it wears out is because of that that is called what? Death. Let me say a few more things about that, then we'll close. That affects, I've given three levels. Just pick some of them in different levels. Marriage is in the second level. Marriage was created by God. Sin also destroys it. There are different kinds of destruction of marriage. As an institution, it's been destroyed in many countries, totally. First, they make divorce very easy. Next, they say, why can't a man marry a man? 
In some countries, you know, a brother can marry the younger sister or whatever. Once they are both adults. All kinds of things have been introduced to destroy that institution. Of course, the last destruction now is that men marry men, women marry women. That's as an institution. But each case is also destroyed by death. Please let me say it again. Like I said, I know some of my messages are odd. See, before you start reading a book on how to make your husband happy, read the book on how to become like Christ. Before you start reading a book on how to make your wife happy, please, I beg in the name of the Lord, read a book on how to become like Christ yourself. If you are able to connect with the fruit of God's blessings without the Spirit of God, it is frustration you meet there. Your growth will be like that of a tree that has been infected with vitricular, 245T, and 24D. Some of you are looking at me like, those of you who know Greek, you know what I'm talking about. Does anybody understand what I said? You know Greek? Good. Did I see your hand go up? Is that inside an engine? I didn't talk about gear ratio. Now, what do I mean? These are things that stimulate growth so that you outgrow your nutrients. It's one way by which it kills trees. It's, it gives a burst to the growth in the cells in such a manner that they can't absorb nutrients that fast, so they dry. If you find the prince, listen, I'm telling you, go and find all the skis on now to make a marriage successful and a home peaceful. And there is no infusion of the spirit of God. For the first few weeks, boom, it will grow. Then die. Marriage is an idea. I used to say it in a funny way. Now, please don't misunderstand what I want to say. Marriage is such a bad idea. Only God could have made it. Now, what do I mean by that? Something that's so difficult to work. Only somebody who has the power of God could have invented it. So there's no way on this earth for you to operate it without the Spirit of Christ. There is no way. Every other thing is a sham. There's no that way. So what you just do is simply each person, husband, wife, prospective husband, prospective wife, that is, hear what I'm saying. Don't marry a woman that does not love the Lord. You know, I've been saying this for the last few days now. Any woman you have to beg to come to church, don't marry her. Don't. Any man that's come to church because of you is a useless husband to be. Don't go and preach to somebody and drag the person to church. It's not a good idea. I hope, listen, this whole life is too short. I can't be spending time. We'll be making you love the Lord. No, now. When are we going to walk? It's like buying a car that you have to rebuild for the first three years. When are you planning to drive it? <laughs> Do you get my point? Buy a walking car. It's better to buy a car that's walking that is small than to buy a big one that I've packed in the Dechuku's office now for the last how many months trying to find out what is wrong with the car. Please. Get a nice keke that in the morning it starts and you go. Your wife becomes an intercessory project. What kind of rubbish is that? I better meet you in church. We should meet in church. You came to hear the word? I came to hear the word. Okay, marry me. Thank you, sir. Let's go. That kind of thing. It's better. Why am I saying it? Because only through the infusion of the spirit will it succeed. All those tankies. Do you know the truth? I, I, I have, I've read a few books like that too, but very few. I'm not saying those some 
points inside there are not good. Though. Did I say that? I'm just saying they are not the foundation. Like I read this book, Five Love Languages by, is it Gary Chapman? Yes. And I keep quoting, it's one of the books that really, really helped me in life. And the reason is because it just taught me something I did not know. Because I used to wonder why my wife behaved the way she did. Like, what is wrong with you? Can't you see I love you? I say, I, say, I can't see it. What? You must be blind. <laughs> In your heart, oh, on the surface, please see it now. Was Gary Chapman that explained that? No, 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 no. That is language. You can't, you can't go and meet a woman that speaks only English and Igbo and propose to her in Russian. She won't guess what you are saying. And you can't go to a Russian woman that the only other language she knows is Latin. Now be using the sweetest raps you read from Shakespeare. And the, the woman looking for her for what is what you know, she's confused. That's the thing I learned from Gary Chapman. I, I recommend the book all the time, Five Love Languages. But please, only people who are alive in Christ have a love language. <laughs> Do you get my point? For, for those who don't, what, that man just explained to you that your actions. I, I, I went for a meeting once. One woman, she was starved of love. You know why? Her husband didn't, was not expressive the way she liked it. The woman liked to be touched all the time. So they are sitting down. She holds my hand. We're in a public place. Touch my hair. And the man was like, what is wrong with you? This is supposed to be for them. And the woman came openly to come and complain to us. He would be asking the man, what are you doing with your hand there? The man said, what is my hand supposed to be doing? I'm putting it on the table. That day, I had a good laugh, especially because, I don't, I don't know whether it was before or after that I read Five Love Languages. You understand that kind of thing? I said, oh, that's one of the lang- love languages. You understand? Uh-huh. You know, some people's love language is how, as you help them physically. So your, your wife is in the kitchen. You say, honey, I love you. She wants to pour hot oil over her back, on your face. What kind of love me? I'll be the one that chopped the onions. I cut the pepper. I'm boiling the rice. I'm going to wash the plate. You are there washing your car, telling me you love me. I'm not saying you are lazy. Just you don't love your car. You don't love me, man. You know that kind of thing. So we have learned that. So when he's cutting the onions, you go there and be cutting the pepper. You don't have to say, I love you. That pepper cut. Once you hear, Kew! she's hearing, I love you. Kew! I love you. Kew! <laughs> and so, so people like Israel, senior Israel. Doesn't even know how to say. I'm wondering how he asked the dad to marry him. He must have sent her a text message. <laughs> you, you've been wondering. You use your mouth. Is that usual? Some men are very rigid. They don't say anything. Just by the way, please go and practice it. Alright, you practice. It. If you are the type that your family men don't cut onions, in your new family, if your wife wants help. Cut onion, cut pepper, cut cabbage, boil rice, wash beans, do everything. You know. it's, it's, your, it's for your own interest we are saying these things. <laughs> it's true. You know. So I learned from Gary Chapman that you have to learn the other person's language. Don't demand that the person speaks your own language, which was what I used to do for the first 10 years. Yes, you have to understand what I'm saying. Why should I speak in Russian? Go and learn English. You know that kind of attitude. Is that man, I don't know, oh, it wasn't up to 10 years when I read the book. When he read it, I say, oh, so there are things I do for my wife and I'm winking behind her back. I'm not doing it from my heart, I'm doing it from the book. <laughs> he said, you don't, no, no, I love her actually, just like speaking a strange language is, do you get my point? Uh-huh. Like, you love, I come to the kitchen. 
What I want to do in the kitchen is be picking the one you have fried. <laughs> the Lord is good. This time is gone. Let me summarize. So the point I'm making is this. I just wanted to add down for us. Please. You don't go for le- the activation of life when the spiritual life is not there. That's the point I'm making. What you find is frustration. I just use marriage as an example. Death occurs everywhere. I just gave as an example. So to bring life into it, we don't go and look for the principles to make it work. We first go to the author of life. We drink life individually. We bring life, it's a spiritual thing, into that home. Then, love languages will make sense. If you learn love languages, and you don't have life being infused, it's going to create confusion after a year. One day, the woman is going to look you in the face and say, you're only doing this because you want me to think you love me. It's okay, what am I supposed to do now? And once you utter that statement, all the effort you are putting in the last one year, you feel frustrated. You just go and buy a rope, you hang the marriage. I was going to say you hang yourself, but sometimes it's not need. You just hang the marriage and then that's the end. Why? Because there's no life. There's no life. We thought the principles would work. The principles can't work when there's no life. Like I gave as an example before, it's like you designed the best machine and you, didn't have, you don't have electricity. No matter how much you repair it, if there's no power flowing through it, it will not work. What am I saying? Death is what we experience once we cut away from Christ. Death is what we experience once we decide to have independence. Independence away from God in this life does not ever work. It does not ever work. It does not ever work. Every society that cuts itself away from the fear of God, within two generations they are gone. I don't care how beautiful they look. And let me add this one prophetically before I go because I'm watching my time. The name of God in this dispensation is Christ Jesus. If you don't kiss the son, you will perish. God spoke different manners, different ways to the fathers in the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken in his son, who he made heir of all things. You know what that means? Dubai belongs to him. Los Angeles belongs to him. Lagos, Enugu, they all belong to him. Education belongs to him. Entertainment belongs to him. Sports belongs to him. Is the hell of all things. Every tribe and tongue, every race on this earth belongs to him. This is the word of the Lord. Any one of all these places and spheres I've mentioned that will not kiss the sun will perish. Now you can't connect with God on this earth now and you don't know Christ Jesus. That time has gone. There's a time you can be saying that you, you know some of you are Hindu, some of you are Muslim, some of you are Buddhist, some of you are... No. Christ is supreme. I say it all the time. It never leaves my mind. I don't know why. You're admiring some of these Middle Eastern cities. As if look at what human beings have built. Here with the word of the Lord. Thus will Babylon go down and not rise again. Anyone that does not kiss the sun, desert thou art to desert thou shall return. I said something long ago. I, I just said I read the book and I said it. Then when Virgin Atlantic launched this one, they did. I said they have put their hands all right, in the eyes of God now. You do your evil in your society, God says, okay. You now say, you will now fly it around the world. God says, I will make all of you bankrupt. That airline will go bankrupt. It's not really a prayer. It's just a warning. I'm not saying that their plane will crash, okay? But they will crash out of the sky. I don't know how. I'm not saying their planes will drop and kill people. I'm not saying that. But from the elevated position where they are, they are going down. For sure. Why? Either you kiss the sun or you perish out of the way. 
You can admire Dubai all you want, Abu Dhabi all you want. They have but one more generation left before they kiss the sun. If you don't, you perish out of the way. See, you must understand, by him all things were made, and without him was nothing made that was made. So when you deny him, he cuts off the flow of the spirit. And when he does that, a hell is activated over you. Listen, anytime you listen to Satan, you go for independence, you fall out of the flow of the spirit of God. And that's what happened to Adam. Adam listened, he fell out of the flow of the spirit of God. And what we're experiencing till now is part of that effect. That's why the Bible says clearly. And death reigned from Adam even until Moses. Even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. But because they are descendants of Adam, and Adam had allowed that principle to enter into life. Everybody is suffering today. Later on, I'll talk about why he talked about until Moses. Because for Israel, that covenant with Moses, through Moses, was supposed to exclude them from the principle of death even on this earth. I can assure you of one thing. He said, but the free gift is not like the transgression, verse 15. He said, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, this other man, Jesus Christ. That is, the reign of death is ended for anyone who has come into Christ. Let me tell you what it means to be in Christ. In Christ Jesus, you have laid down that independence. You have thrown it away. That I'm going back on the path that God created for Adam to walk in. What is that path? Where I behold the face of the Son and I've been transformed day by day into his image. That is why death will not have dominion over you. Say amen now. As a prophecy of what God is doing in your life. Death of any level will not have dominion over you. And this is how you know that death on the other two levels have lost power. When death in the first level has lost power. For example, you are here this morning. Remember the first sign of death? You don't want the presence of God. What's the first sign of life, therefore? The love for the presence of God. The love for the word of God. If anyone is in Christ, that person becomes a new creature. And the first sign that is truly born again is that he loves the word. He loves the presence of the brethren. If anybody does not love these two things I've just described, question that person's salvation. Let me end it here. I've spoken at length. I hope you learned something. Yes, Again, let me just say, what I'm trying to do is to get us to understand the fundamentals. The fun- how life is. How life is. Time when they didn't allow me, I would have talked about how God limited the effect of death. Because he had to do that. If he did not do that, Adam and his descendants would have been 100% wiped out. Within a short while. He had to limit the effect of death in their life. How? The first thing he did was to God. Offer a sacrifice. Dress them up in the skin of the animal that he killed. That mitigated the effect of the death. That's what sacrifices do. We'll talk about it later. How God produced for them relationships through sacrifices. To keep them until Jesus will come. Without that, no human race will have been preserved. None. None. But let's leave it there. Let's give it our thanks this morning. So Lord, we thank you.